Hey everybody, this is Nuggets in Verse. I'm your host, Philip Shear. I have long-form conversations with entrepreneurs, athletes, working folks, and anyone with a story to tell. I hope you find your nugget of truth or inspiration in this episode. Welcome, Mark. Glad to be here, Phil. <laughs> uh, so you're the uh, you're my first guest in the uh, in the loft mm-hmm. on a cool like forty degree day. Yeah, does that does that excite you that uh, you get to freeze up here? <laughs> well, uh, it's pretty cool to be be first. Uh, I've been never been accused of being cutting edge unless it's been being referred to as rubbing against the grain. But <laughs> yeah, uh, so. Mm. Being your first, I guess uh, it's only up from here, right? Yep. Start yep. at the bottom. Yep. Next, hopefully, it'll be warmer for the next person. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, right before we started, uh, you were able to uh, drive my old '53 Model 50 John Deere around. Yeah, I'm How still. That? I'm still grinning. <laughs> <laughs> I tell everybody when you. When you get on that tractor and you fire it up, it just kind of puts a big smile on your face. It does. I don't know why that is. Like, what is it that uh, that uh, that does that to you? I think for me, it brings back memories. I was raised on the farm up in northern Missouri, and and uh, my first picture of of myself on a tractor was with my grandfather. I think I was three and a half, and uh, you know, he I. By the time I was ten, I was doing a lot of the farming operation because he had a series of heart attacks, and mm-hmm. and uh, so brings back a lot of great childhood memories. Yeah, um, my my folks farmed as well, um, but I don't think we had anything as old as this yeah. <laughs> on the farm. Most of grand grandfather's equipment was probably older than that. He, all of his uh, farm implements were originally horse drawn. And they oh, wow. had been converted to either a three-point hitch or uh, something that could be lifted with the drawbar. Yeah, there's there's just something about uh, Stacy will tell us like of my uh, Facebook Marketplace perusing. Uh-huh. Uh, there's like I just enjoy like seeing old implements and yeah. old pieces of machinery. Um, it's a very uh, just old stuff is neat. I don't I don't know yeah. why, but. There's there's something different about the about that kind of more like utilitarian manually just kind of like you know people figured it figured stuff out back then so. right but uh well cool I'm glad you got to do that uh, you're welcome to come cruising around anytime you want <laughs> <laughs> be, be careful so <laughs> might have me living out here <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about who you are okay. uh, so. Actually, before we get there, how did like how did we wind up meeting? I believe probably through Jim. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I'm a, I'm a transplant to Excelsior. Are, are you? I guess I don't know if I've ever ever, ever asked you. Um, like, are you also a transplant or did? Yeah, uh, my mom and my dad. I was born in Trenton, and mm-hmm. we moved back and forth from Trenton to Kansas City area uh, a lot, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we had moved to Iowa in 1970. I knew there was a reason. Yeah. <laughs> we connected. Iowa. <laughs> we are Iowans. Yes. And uh, so my mom and dad divorced, and so my mom and I moved to Excelsior Springs. Uh, the only family connection we had was my uncle lived in Wood Heights. Mm-hmm. And so he moved here, and uh, I started attending Excelsior High School, uh, the second year that West High was built, uh, 1974 uh, was the second year. And uh, just, I kind of fell in love with Excelsior because uh, it was one of the first places where I'd ever lived where I was immediately accepted. Mm-hmm. And that brought with it some baggage, but uh, we, we could, that's a topic for another discussion. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, there's... You know, when I woke up this morning, I'm getting already way off track. <laughs> but when I woke up this morning, I stepped out into kind of this cool, like crisp air this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like I instantly had the thought that I'm in the I, I'm in the mountains. This this feels like mountain, like it just feels like mountain air. It does. And uh, I tell a lot of people, 
But Excelsior is like a little mountain town with, mm-hmm. without the mountains. Uh-huh. You know, it just feels like that when you drive, like w- whatever direction you come in. Like if you drive in to downtown through the the horseshoe, or you come in uh, from the east side, um, it especially from the east side, it feels like you're in descending into this little mountain town. And if you could envision like actual mountains around you, it, it would seem super normal. Um, I'm failing so far as a podcast host, uh, turning off my phone. <laughs> I would I would have thought that uh, turning off your phone would be pretty easy, but uh, well, I, I we were talking about the the, the mountain town feel. Mm-hmm. When I first moved to Excelsior, I referred to it as a little Switzerland because you drive yep. uh, you drive down one particular street, and a building may be a single story tall, and you drive a block either direction and it's well on once the, the backside of it and mm-hmm. it may be three stories tall cause it's built on a hill. Uh huh. Yeah. There's uh that all, all along Broadway, all yeah. those, all those buildings I was in. Oh, I don't know the, what <clears throat> building it is. It's the building next to the hollow waters opposite of, uh, of other trails. Um, okay. So I was in the basement of that building once, uh, when it was, uh, what was the, the bliss bliss. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I think we were we were looking for some chairs. I think we'd early when we had just moved here, and they had uh, their oh we've got more in the basement. In the basement, like I think the ceilings were. If this may be incorrect, but my memory is that the ceilings were like ten feet tall or something. It was like this massive basement. I think they're even taller than that. I think yeah. they're like twelve, fifteen feet. Yeah, that sounds right. And and that what's weird about that that building is it has a storefront that looks out the opposite of Broadway because it was built to overlook the original pagoda and, and the and fishing river oh. before they moved the river to build the hollow waters. So they moved the river for the hollow waters. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So where was the river? Was it located much closer to okay. broad to Broadway? That explains yeah. why the ball field is sometimes a lake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the the reason why there's a levee there now to keep the river where they want it to be instead of where it used to be. Yeah. Do you have any idea what like what like what time frame that was when they moved it? I don't know. I uh, just know I, we were we were taking a uh, a tour of the Hollow Waters with mm-hmm. the, the work that's being done in the basement to shore up uh, failing concrete columns which support the entire. Uh, rotunda area where it's called the hollow springs where the water bar is mm-hmm. and uh chad birdsong made uh, made the comment he said uh uh our forefathers didn't do us any favors by building this building here because it's it's actually where we were standing down in the basement is lower uh than the water table lower than the river wow so it's no no wonder why we have moisture problems there mm-hmm it's kind of the story of uh, like most most cities, right? Like uh-huh. most cities um, sit on a river and mm-hmm. and kind of. Although our river is a tiny river, but right. um, probably not. It's actually, I guess, not the reason that that Excelsior is there. But um, but yeah. yeah, usually towns built along rivers and have flooding issues and right. Yep. So uh, so currently you are a city councilman. Mm-hmm. And you own Payne Jail House Bed and Breakfast. Yep. Um, and then I was like trying to figure out what descriptor I could use for you as a person who is skilled at building or refurbishing something and like craftsman, maybe. Like, yeah. what what do you call a person who does that? Yeah. Fine line between who's craftsman handy. and and uh, someone who's cheap, too cheap to hire <laughs> done. Yeah. <laughs> Where did, uh, like, like where did, I think about this a lot because, like, if you look around, like, I'm not a, like, I'm, I'm not a great detail person, but, you know, I do a lot of things of my own. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we've done a lot of work on our house and I've done, a, you know, I, I same, same thing, right? I don't mm-hmm. want to pay somebody else to do it. Right. Um, and I think about, like, where did I gain all this knowledge? And I know where I got it, um, but it's. But I, you know, wonder 
Like, what is your, like, how did you get to that path? Like, how did you become skilled enough to like completely refurbish paint jailhouse bed and breakfast from where it was when you, we got it. Like, where did all that come from? Uh, I'd have to say that, um, I remember something that my dad told me when I was a teenager. Uh, my dad was a welder, uh, from the time I was a little boy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so he had a, a house in Taylorville, Illinois, and it was a, it was a, Interestingly enough, it was an old jailhouse that had been moved and mm. joined to the back of an old schoolhouse. And uh, we were tearing the old jail off, and uh, then he started laying block foundation. He poured the footer, started laying a block, and I said, Dad, I didn't know you knew how to lay block. And he goes, I didn't. And he said, see that neighbor? He's a block mason. He came mm -hmm. over and gave me some some pointers, and he turned to me at that point, and he said, son— the way I've got it figured out, you can put, you can do just about anything you put your mind to, and I think that's true as long as you have a certain aptitude. I mean, mm -hmm. I I know guys that couldn't drive a nail to save their soul, uh, no matter how hard they practice. But if you have an aptitude towards that, then it, it's just kind of a natural progression to 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 go along those lines. I worked thirty years for Ford Motor Company on an assembly line. Not because I didn't have any skill sets, but because it paid very well. Mm -hmm. uh, the insurance was good. It was good to me and my family. And uh, you kind of get locked into that. I've, I remember our old uh, union president called it uh, a pair of golden handcuffs. Yep. You would like to escape, but you don't want to break the, the golden handcuffs. Yep. And so after I uh, retired from Ford, I was 49. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm too young to sit around and draw my pension, and nor can I live on what my pension is, is going to give me. So I need something to supplement. So I opened up a little company called Triple R Home Services, and uh, basically handyman services. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of morphed into bigger and, and bolder projects uh, to the point where at one time I was called upon to remodel the, the local media comm offices. And uh, just develop skills along those lines, and and then along come YouTube, and you can you can find about anything yeah. you want on YouTube. When you said that the uh, the neighbor was the the, the block mason, uh -huh. I'm like, oh, that's old YouTube. Yeah, it is. That was live <laughs> if, YouTube. If you knew, uh, <laughs> if you needed to know how to do something, you had to find somebody right. to teach you, or you just had to do it trial and error. Yeah. But, but now you can learn like virtually anything. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you're talking about golden handcuffs. Um, I don't know if I'm the last generation to feel this way. Um, if not, I'm getting close to it. Um, but, you know, for for a very long time, I think, you know, everybody had this idea that you uh, that you found a good paying job that was reliable, that was um, that, um, you know, you, you might not get rich, but it, but you can live a good, simple life. And mm -hmm. and that was like that was like what everybody wanted. Right. Um, but now I think people it's really interesting you know, there's a lot of people I think complain about kind of some of our younger generations, but in a way, like I'm also impressed that they are finding ways to make a living doing stuff that they really love and enjoy. So I think mm -hmm. it's, but it is interesting. Like for me, um, that's, that's definitely how I currently feel like, like, uh, um, man, it feels good to, to, to not, not worry about, um, where the paycheck's coming. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely like, uh, you know, some uh, some creative things that I would love to do. You know, it'd be mm -hmm. great if you could do them for a living. So it's a it's a it's an interesting time. Well, you mentioned that. the other day that that you you had to find a creative outlet, and so yep. this this podcast is your new yeah uh, outlet. Yep. So I think if you can balance it, like if um, if if I came home and sat on the couch and watched TV every day, man, I would. I would really be miserable. Yeah, um, I, I've just got to got to be doing something. Um, so when you uh, you made a post the other day about Pain Jail House and how some people thought you were a little crazy for going that endeavor, mm -hmm. um, how long did it take you to get? 
Because I re- I do remember it before before you bought it. Okay. Um, obviously, I was never inside of it. Um, but how long did it take you to get to you know get it to a place where you could like be like? I think for me, every project I'm like. Like it has to get to a certain point, but mm-hmm. store before I like start feeling good about it. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this is actually going to work. Were there any points where you're like, I don't know? There was a few points. Uh, we started on the back building first, and uh, I, I don't know why. That's just what mm-hmm. I maybe it's because it was a smaller chunk to bite off than the than the big house. What we refer to as the big house. Uh huh. So just started gutting a lot of the old nasty plumbing and stuff out of the garage and and, uh, and then just decided to tear it apart because there were so many problems. New plumbing, new wiring, uh, HVAC, everything. And uh, at probably a dark place in my life in that project was when I had just finished that, My uh, we were living in my mom and dad's summer home on Isley. Uh, They had moved to Texas what they thought was permanently Mm -hmm. and realized that they wanted to come back to Excelsior during the summer. And so I found them a little house on Isley. They sent me the money. I I bought it for them. And uh, and so during the project, uh, we had our house for sale on on the west end of town up on Dagley Street. And it sold uh, immediately. And so we had to have a place to move. And I called mom up and I said, hey, can I, can I uh, move into the Isley house uh, for a while while I rehab this building? And they said, sure. And so we did that. And then my stepdad called me and says, uh, I've been diagnosed with leukemia and I need to come home. And I said, where's home? He goes, the place you're living. And I thought, okay, I got to scramble. So we mm-hmm. hurried up and... Uh, and got in there and just got that finished and was just starting on the big house. And I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And I was devastated. I did not know this. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was just a weird thing. I was, I was out at our church in, in choir practice. And I was, I was sitting there with my choir book. And I'm looking at the director. And I kept seeing these images in my peripheral vision. And I thought, there's, there's no one there. I know I'm not crazy. I've, I've got my faculties about me, but yeah. I'm seeing these apparitions. And so I went outside and I called my son, who was uh, an EMS, an EMT firefighter, and uh, he said, Dad, you may be having a stroke. And so I said, well, I'm driving home. He goes, you're what? <laughs> so anyway, I drove myself home. He took me to the hospital. The, it, they called it an incidental find when they did the AMRI. They said, there's a little mass on, on your brain. And I said, mm-hmm. no, that... The, the mass is my, my brain. <laughs> the rest of it is just <laughs> non-matter. And so uh, anyway, diagnosed with a brain tumor, and uh, I, was, I was scared because I had moved my wife into from 2,600 square feet into 600 square feet of this guest house and uh, was afraid that I was going to leave her in that position. Mm-hmm. And so I started to communicate to her all my vision for, for what we were doing and the, the drawings I had made and, uh, and really, you know, begin to be prayerful about that. Uh, I said, God, don't, don't let me leave her in the middle of all this. Yeah. <laughs> Help me get through this. And uh, so through uh, prayer, through a diet, through a, a naturalist, downtown Excelsior, and diet, uh, I came through that with flying colors, and last time I visited the doctor, uh, they said, uh, "There's if we didn't know what to look for or where to look for it at, we wouldn't know how to find it. So you were able just through ma- like natural means, yeah. able to, huh? Yeah, What's because uh, I went to KU, and their only option for me was open cranial surgery. They mm-hmm. said, we're going to go after it. And it's deep in the in the uh, back back of the neck, under the brain, and uh, I wasn't comfortable with that. And they wanted to do a biopsy, and I said, "So what happens if you stick that needle into my head and it is cancerous, and you you draw that back through all that healthy tissue?" And they said, "That's a good question," but they wouldn't give me an answer for it. Hmm. So my daughter-in-law 
was in uh, radiology at research. And uh, she said, get me your images from KU, and, and I want to take those to our, our neurosurgeon and have him take a look at it. And so he did, and he said, I think you might be a good candidate for Gamma Knife. And uh, research had, had pretty much pioneered Gamma Knife uh, decades ago. And so it's very pinpointed cobalt radiation and with little residual effect on the rest of the, the brain tissue. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And with that and with the diet, and, and I attribute a lot of prayer mm -hmm. uh, for, sure. for myself and for the surgeons. And uh, so I've been, I think it's been four years, three years since my last appointment. And I'll have another one coming up this year. And every time I go back, the neurosurgeon just grins. He says, you're a textbook case. That is uh, unbelievable. Yeah. So that that was a dark moment. Yeah. Uh, not, not... Well, obviously, you haven't kind of, you know, level set with yourself about, you know, hey, what can happen here? And, yeah. and, and then what is the result of that for, for yeah, because when family? We, yeah. When we moved... From our comfortable home on the west side to downtown, um, my sons thought that I had lost my mind. Why would you sell the comfort of that home and what you've been able to achieve mm -hmm. there and put all your eggs in that basket? And uh, I remember when my oldest son from Phoenix walked through the house, he goes, Dad, he goes, this is something straight out of a Stephen King novel. He goes, you ought to make a movie here. Because yeah. it was it was burned out, boarded up, and uh, the grass was about three foot high, and neighbors had put signs in the yard, uh, shame on you, trying to shame some shell corporation in Atlanta that, that owned the building. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so... Uh, we and for whatever reason we we just felt compelled to rescue mm -hmm. that old building. Yep, that's it's that's Jim cool. Bowman's fault. <laughs> well, <laughs> I blame Jim for a lot of things. Uh, Jim has a way of encouraging encouraging the 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 wild ideas and the and uh -huh. the dreams that you have. But that's a good thing. You need it is you need those thing. people in your life to get you to kind of uh, move off center. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, when I think about so uh, Pain Jail House, and then across the street is is Dubious, mm -hmm. um, and then the Montgomery is there, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you know there's some other uh, there's some other businesses that have uh, oh, uh, pairings and woodchucks. Uh, yep. So there's all these. Uh, when I first moved, like I remember when I first moved here, thinking, oh, this this town is pretty neat. Like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of neat stuff going on, and really, over just the last, you know, seven, eight years that I've been here, all of that stuff is has, is new. And so, right. um, just think of the transformation Thompson's went under. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously Broadway, but um, the, the transformation Thompson went under is pretty is pretty uh, special too. Um, it is. So when you take a left hand turn and and all the way, you know all the way down through the end of Broadway now, like it, you know, and it just so happens to be the walking path from the Elms. So, mm -hmm. so I don't know if that, how intentional that was, but, uh, I think, uh, I think that's, uh, a lot of people think about that when they, uh, are going or, you know, creating endeavors in our town, right? Like yeah. what's the, what's the walking path from, from the Elms. So, Oh yeah. yeah. Um, when I'm at, uh, when I'm at other trails or Will Spring, like I'm always, Kind of have my ears like perched really open, mm -hmm. and I I hear all the people who are in town and and are experiencing Excelsior. It's pretty neat. It uh, is. Uh, it is. And and Jim and I have talked about that many times. A lot of times, local people get discouraged, or they they don't think uh, enough of our town. Uh, they they don't have a positive view, especially of our downtown. Mm -hmm. And Jim said, you need to start listening to what other people say about you. And other people that come into town said, this is such a cool little town. It's, uh, good vibes and, and lots of cool things to do. And so when I hear people who live maybe on the west end of town that, that complain about it, and I said, I'll just question them. Uh, when was the last time you were downtown? Oh, it's been 20 years ago. I said, well, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. 
you don't even know what's down there. Yep. People ask me all the time, why would anyone come to Excelsior Springs, Missouri to stay a weekend at your B&B? And I said, because there's just a lot of cool things to do here. There is. Yep. It is really the, per- like, when you think about all of all of the things that are just in walking distance uh, mm-hmm. downtown, but then... but. But then if you want to drive a little bit, you can get to a few different wineries and oh, yeah. you can, um, a distillery or, um, or, I mean, there's even a, like a hot, like a high end restaurant over by camp, like camp, is it Camden? Camden. Uh, it came to Camden. Camden. I, think. I always get those. One of them's down by the yeah. Lake of the Ozarks. I always get them. Yep. Yeah, Camden. But there's this, uh. Elements. There's, yep, elements. There's a, yeah. there's a, just a lot of neat places around here. Yeah. Um, and there's, man, there's something special about feeling like you know something that somebody else doesn't. Uh-huh. And I feel that way about Excelsior. <laughs> um, but I don't want to keep it a secret. But I feel that way about Excelsior, and I, I feel that way about a lot of the little businesses in town, too. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and that, that business... Uh, mix is is constantly in flux because last night I got on my uh, Airbnb. Um, what prompted me to do this is Anna Sue and I are getting ready to do a, a river cruise in Europe mm-hmm. in uh, in about five weeks and uh, in celebration of our 35th wedding anniversary. And we booked a uh, an Airbnb in Basel, Switzerland, and the guy had a guidebook attached to it which is what a, an Airbnb client can can attach to their bookings. So when people book, they go, oh, there's this to do, there's that to do. He recommends this restaurant. He recommends that beer, that wine. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was going through that, and I had all of these businesses listed in there. I hadn't touched it for about five years. They were closed. But then I realized that I put more than that back into it uh, from the ones that have opened recently. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like any small town, you have a lot of businesses that uh, I'll get in trouble for saying this, but hobby businesses, mm-hmm. uh, they're open when they want to and, and if they want to. And that's just by definition, the nature of small town USA. Yep. Uh, because rents are cheap in, in a lot of your, your downtown areas of your smaller uh, cities. And so, you know, people really sometimes don't have a, a, a strong business model or business plan when they uh, venture out uh, to open up something and then they, they get, you know, four or five years into it and realize, eh, I didn't sign up for this. Mm-hmm. Close the doors and someone else comes along and finds that yeah. opportunity. Yeah, it's... Uh and I don't know this from personal experience, but just obviously being friends with certain folks. Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's probably much more difficult to uh, own your own business than to just, you know, go to work every day. Yeah. Um, Cause you're always on the clock. Like it, it's like, it's you and you only That's right. that, uh, that has to fix, fix the problem or yeah. solve the problem or, so, um, yeah, I totally, I totally see that in, uh, some friends who own businesses. Um, but it's also, I would assume really, re- really rewarding. It and, is. uh, you have this input into the community and, um, you're helping shape something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people, I mean, they have, they have a job that they're afraid to walk away from. And mm-hmm. so they're trying to, they're just trying to get the hobby business turned into something more than a hobby before they can, that's a tough transition. And sometimes I think kind of just got to, you know, put down all your, you know, play all your cards and just, and just go for it. Um, I've foreseen, I've for sure seen that method as well. So. Well, in my situation, you know, after I'd retired 30 years from Ford, I I had a pension. And so I I had a little bit of wherewithal to do something different Mm -hmm. After having done that, I if I had any regrets at all about my 30 years at Ford Motor Company, I mean, it, it supplied well for my family, but I see the potential that I had. But I didn't have the confidence to step out and, and realize that, that potential. 
mm-hmm. uh, because of where I was at. I was getting a good paycheck, and uh, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people will, I mean, I mean, a ton of people resonate with that. Yeah. Um, so you have a new project. Are you okay talking about that? Yeah. 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 So on the east end of Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that property um, is one of those many in town that you, like for me, when you drive by, it's just like, ah. Oh. That's a special place. It is. There's a lot of those in town that yeah. uh, have yet to find the their match to turn them into their to the their future glory because I believe there's enough people who will eventually do that with a lot of these places. But mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, East End of Broadway. If you just when you run into the rock wall, look up that um, <laughs> that that's such a neat little place. Yeah. Tell me about it. What's the? Do you know anything about the history of it? Or yeah, it was built in 1898. Uh, as part of the Craverson Bates addition to Excelsior Springs. And uh, the the original floor plan of the house was like many of the houses. It was a small craftsman, uh, not craftsman style, craftsman home literally ordered from Sears and Roebuck. Okay. Brought in on a train as a kit. And uh, the... Interestingly enough, both of those houses that, that set at the end of Broadway, 103 Temple and 436 East Broadway, are identical homes. The other one has been added onto so much, and the oh, front wow. porch has been removed. You don't even recognize it. But mm-hmm. I got to looking at it, and it has the same angled entrance on the front door and the same gables. And I said, that's the same house. But you take that porch off of it, and it completely changes the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the appearance so I had looked at that. I mean, just eyeballed it every time I drove by. I thought, such a cool location. You're driving up Broadway, and there it is. And, uh, and I knew the guy that owned it. He was the, the guy that tuck-pointed all of Payne Jailhouse inside and out. Uh, he and his son spent two or three months uh, setting on scaffolding, uh, putting mortar back between the bricks at the jailhouse. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, when he passed, his son said, uh, I would like for you to have this property. And uh, so we had talked about a price, and I realized that uh, when I looked at the house, the depth uh, of rehabilitation that it was going to take was was so huge that I was not going to be able to, to meet the price. And so I, mm. I, we just had that honest conversation. And so I bought it again, like all of the properties that I brought mm-hmm. at a ridiculously low price. And he, he said, I want you to have it because I know that you'll honor my father. And he, his dad wanted to call it the Bates house uh, in, in honor of Mayor Bates, who lived in the home uh, during the early 1900s. And the fact that, he has a picture of his grandpa, Johnny, and his wife, who used to own the Schlitz Tavern downtown, which is now the Atlas. Okay. It used to be a two-story um, uh, tavern with a assorted history upstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the locals said it had a, a smorgasbord upstairs. Well, the... The smorgasbord was a cover from the brothel in the in the back rooms. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and it had such a, a reputation that uh, the governor came into town uh, sometime. I think it was 1921 and closed it down. And they promptly located one block south on Spring Street. I was just going to say that because I wasn't the that the Excelsior Club. Yep, the yep. G- Gentlemen's Club. Uh huh. Yep. And so, uh, or yeah, the Excelsior Club. So anyway, he's got a picture of Grandpa Johnny and his wife. Grandpa Johnny is dressed to the nines in a, in a pinstripe suit, and Grandma's got a full-length cloak uh, mink on with Mayor Bates and his wife standing on the front porch of that little house. And he said, it always bothered me that this is during the Depression. This is um, during Prohibition. And he said... But Grandpa's dressed like that. He goes, come to find out Grandpa Johnny was a moonshiner. Not only did he own the tavern, <laughs> he ran moonshine. Mm-hmm. And he was friends mm-hmm. with the mayor. And so just, just kind of a, a 
cool little history note there. And, yeah. And so when we get the the place completely rehabbed and and turned into a nightly rental, we're gonna put a picture of Grandpa Johnny and and Mayor Bates there and hang a sign in the front yard called the Bates Jewel House. That is fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Like when when things get uh, titles and names and stuff, it 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 makes so much sense to to actually tie stuff to history. So, mm-hmm. um, like like we did with the bike race with Opawapu and right. and Nuggets and Verse is a is a reference to a, a little poetry pamphlet that the McCleary Clinic would put out. Okay, and uh, I wondered where that came yep. from. So I love uh, I love all that stuff for sure. Well, even. Uh, like you mentioned well ago, dubious claims. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil got the name for his brewery from an article that was written by a journalist uh, from the Saturday Evening Post, and mm-hmm. that was responsible largely for the the downturn in the economy because the federal government stepped in and says you can't any longer make mm-hmm. the uh, the dubious claims about the healing waters of Excelsior Springs. Mm-hmm. And so he found that article, and he said, that's it, dubious claims, and then his tagline, forget the water, drink the beer. Yep. <laughs> I have that uh, I have that magazine. So, oh, do you? So in the wonderful world of eBay, like I had heard about this article that supposedly was the demise of the healing waters. Of I'd love Excelsior. to see that. Yeah. Um, I've got it in the house. Um, and so I just got on eBay and just searched for that article. Like I don't remember how I found it. Um, I somehow um, figured out, well, I knew the year that it came uh-huh. out. And so I just kind of kept searching for it and eventually came across it. So I, I, I bought it for like 10 bucks or something. Wow. <laughs> That's neat. <laughs> What's also fascinating to me about that is, um, and I know there's a lot much better uh, Excelsior historians than myself, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm not a historian but uh, by any means, but I you know, try to brush up on this stuff. What also happened that exact same year um, was so the ball clinic closed, mm-hmm. and that exact same year, if I'm cor- if I'm correct, I think I am the uh, the veterans host- hospital closed. Wow! So if you could imagine, those were the two largest employers in our town, right? And um, that must have been an extreme shock to to this community at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other thing that I thought was interesting when I read that article, I was actually really surprised. It's not what I thought it was. There wasn't much talk about the healing waters. Mm-hmm. I think by that time, the concept of the the waters, like the healing waters, had mostly dissipated. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't – that was kind of like an afterthought. The, the healing waters had kind of morphed into this other business – of treating arthritis and mm-hmm. um, and some other things, and they were they were weren't really like engaging the treatments with a bunch of like healing water anymore. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of like quackery uh, devices and yeah. equipment that they were using, and <clears throat> that um, so that actually made me happy because I'm like, it wasn't so much a disapproval of there being like, you know, good qualities to the water, right? Which there probably is a little bit of truth to some of that. Um, it was more about some of the kind of like mischievous uh, operations that were happening mm-hmm. at some of these clinic clinics. So, well, that's the way I understood it from the outset. It was not so much a a check on the healing properties of the waters. Because there were there were too many people, and you could say that's a subjective experience. Well, isn't mm-hmm. a, isn't all medical practice yeah. to a certain extent subjective? But the 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 waters. Well, I tell the story around the table uh, to the uh, the breakfast guests at the Payne Jailhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I said we had four particular waters in Excelsior Springs. The only place in the world where these four particular waters are found together and it's uh if i can remember them right iron manganese crystal lithia sulfosaline and soda water mm-hmm. and the iron manganese was proven to be uh beneficial to joints people who were having uh rheumatoid arthritis uh because of the high mineral content 
And so they would bathe in those waters and, and take heat treatments and, and, uh, and experience some dramatic relief. And then the joke around the table is always, and if you had a bowel obstruction, mm -hmm. the sulfo saline was a moving experience. Yep. <laughs> and people always laugh. I said, literally. <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of... Uh... There's a bunch of old postcards of like a person, like a character running towards an outhouse after, <laughs> after drinking it. So yep. it, like even back then was understood that uh, if you drink that water, I think that well is actually in the basement of the hollow waters. The one that's uh, the laxative one. The, it, it may be at one time, all four of those waters came into the basement mm -hmm. because the, the hollow waters was built as a distribution point for those waters. The one that I'm real familiar with that's real active and bubbles up all the time is a, uh, iron manganese. And uh, every time we get a good rain event, uh, it, it belches up water all over the floor. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. And then right outside of the, the, the hollow waters, the most accessible well and probably one that would be most easily turned around if we can get it clear cleared through DNR, uh, from what I understand, is the, the soda water well. Mm -hmm. My understanding was that was the water that they bottled a lot of and sold. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, somebody was telling me that when they were selling that water, they were bottling so much they actually ran the well dry a few times. Probably. Um, again, I've heard so many things over the years, so yeah, I know. if that's inaccurate, uh, <laughs> don't hold me to it. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's legend. Yeah. <laughs> But what a crazy way for a town to come to come into existence. Right. Like it's because of the water. Like mm -hmm. it's like it's not uh like you know it you know, it wasn't a the railroad town until later, like the railroad came through, but right. um but it you know, it wasn't a, wasn't like on a big river, it wasn't uh like any type of industry, it was really just mm -hmm. built on being a resort town. Mm -hmm. Which is why it might feel like a little mountain town. So, mm -hmm. another interesting factoid um, that I'm sure that you know is that whole uh, neighborhood there north of, well, probably north and south of Isley. Um, I, when I first moved here, I'm like, why do all these houses have two doors? Mm -hmm. There are two doors on all these houses, and then I discovered that those were those were all bunk houses, right? Mm -hmm. Boarding houses. Boarding houses. Yeah. yeah. So like. Um, for people who came into town, they weren't, I guess, were private residences. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, many of our homes in town, uh, whether they were built for single family originally or not, uh, were uh, at least remodeled uh, to kind of fit that model uh, of being a boarding house. Uh, people found out they could make some extra cash by owning one of those homes and, and renting the, the space out because people came from all over the world to either drink or bathe in or a combination thereof, mm -hmm. uh, the, the waters in Excelsior Springs. Even uh, up on Dunbar, um, Gary and Kim Sanson own uh, Sunnyside Cottage. And Gary showed me the staircase from the basement all the way to the attic is a spiral staircase that has, a, has a, an exit point on on the, the, uh, the main level, and then continues to the attic. And I said, what's that all about? And he said, people used to actually rent space in the attic. The bus stopped there and dropped people off uh, as they come into town uh, to take other people to other boarding homes and to the Elms mm -hmm. uh, because there was, a, there was a premium on space. I wish I could get in a time machine. Oh, I would be great. I would love to know, like, what, how, because I think, did I read, like, the population of the town would increase by, like, 5,000 people yeah. every week of people coming into town? Like, just the, 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 just the, the fever and the, the hustle of, you know, everything going on um, in that time period just must have been pretty, pretty special. It, it would have been. Uh, there's a picture of the old uh, depot up at, uh, oh, it's not the Wabash Depot, the, the other depot. Anyway, the, the main Excelsior Springs depot mm -hmm. uh, that has, I don't know how many horse teams hooked to wagons, uh, 
loading up people coming off the train to take them down the hill to the Elms. And it's, it's just pretty fabulous. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a busy, busy yeah. time. And we know the Elms as like the, like the most prominent, you know, building in, in Excelsior. Um, it's, it's survived two fires. I think it burned down twice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, if you do, uh, if you hunt down postcards mm-hmm. of Excelsior, which, um, I guess they made thousands of postcards, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, you discover that there are a lot of high end, like, um, uh, hotels in town. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it just happens to be the Elms, the only one that survived, but, mm-hmm. Um, the Royal and the Oaks, which I'm trying to remember what it snaps, snaps, snaps hotel snaps. Um, I think the, there was an Excelsior hotel, maybe mm-hmm. wasn't with original, um, Chadwick, I'm trying to think of all these names, but there were a ton of, uh, you know, like, you know, wonderful places to stay and accommodation. Mm-hmm. So, but all gone, I think. Yeah. Uh, a guy that, that grew up in Excelsior from, from childhood and recently passed was telling me one time, he said there were 39 hotels. Now, I don't know how accurate mm-hmm. that was, but I know, you know, right below Payne Jail Houses was the Albany Hotel, and that was the, the, the hotel that was specifically for the black community mm-hmm. uh, because of, of issues of, of race and... and uh, mm-hmm prejudice back in the day and uh, so that was a place where they could go and there there's some pretty cool pictures of of uh, a large congregation of of people of color standing in front of that hotel that was their hotel that was mm-hmm. their space yeah i don't it's it's not talked about a lot i i, I don't i mean it's a, a something that i couldn't speak uh, I, i'm not educated on but uh, I think one of the 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 interesting facts about Excelsior is um, it was actually a uh, the daughter of a block settler who mm-hmm. is probably responsible for this town existing mm-hmm. um, because she bathed in uh, in the springs and it supposedly healed um, some ailment that she had. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the neatest like you know factoids of of Excelsior is and it. It probably really did start there. That's like right. where it started. Um, there are some other stories too, but I think that's the one, the most widely accepted is mm-hmm. like where the the news of the water kind of came from. So, mm-hmm. um, man, uh, so we've talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we've been going longer than I thought. Oh, really? <laughs> time, time flies. Um, oh. uh, you've got uh, the new project going. I'm gonna, so I'm going to put you on the spot. What okay. uh, is there anything exciting coming for Excelsior that that you might know of that you can talk about? Uh, well, yeah, uh, you know, for quite a while uh, there's been uh, buzz in uh, in the social media uh, world about a quick trip. And okay, we, we do have a quick trip coming. I've seen the the plat. I've seen the the drawings, mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of waiting for them to break ground, and uh, so that's kind of exciting uh, for all of the the people who are waiting for their uh, hot dog rollers and taquito <laughs> taquito rollers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, thirteen hundred different varieties of coffee and sodas. Yep. Uh, the the fact that we're sitting right now as a city on about $39 million worth of grants uh, that are getting ready to take place, we should be breaking ground anytime on a uh, one of the, the first phases of flood mitigation uh, for downtown, which will happen between uh, Main Street and uh, Kennedy Streets. Uh, they're going to, to raise the street and... Uh, repair the low water bridge, actually install a bridge there uh, to allow the water channel to to flow more freely. And then they're going to do bank stabilization and install riparian buffers down there to allow the creek to to naturally flow out of its banks into those those buffers with vegetation Mm -hmm. that will more 
uh, readily uh, absorb water and then come back into the channel naturally uh, so will have significant uh, effect on uh, water levels from the dry fork of Fishing River. Because part of the, the flooding problem, it, most of it comes from the East Fork, but the convergence of the problems from the Dry Fork and the East Fork is where it bottlenecks, and that's mm-hmm. where the, the problems come for the hollow waters and for the elms. So excited about that. Uh, excited about the uh, the $24.5 million, I believe that, that figure's correct, uh, grant that will install walk trails, walk paths from uh, the top of an old orchard uh, all the way to Walmart. That has got to be one of the most needed things in our community. Yeah, connectivity. It's not. Uh, it's probably not like the the sexiest thing to right. like to spend money on, but um, man, we have. There's a lot of people that you see, you know, walking in grass and on the side of the road, mm-hmm. and um, and that's that's unfor- You know, it's unfortunate. So it's it's great news to hear that there's uh, something in the works to kind of provide the ability for people to to get places on foot or, yeah. or however. So, um, you know, that I'm a, you know, that I'm a cyclist and obviously mm-hmm. Stacy and I did, uh, Opawapu gravel experience for the last five years. Um, I was really, uh, surprised and happy to see the, uh, the bike lanes. Oh yeah. Um, that are on op- Jesse James. Yeah, on Jesse James. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a ton of bike lanes, but, um, it's, it's a step in the right direction. And I think it bike lanes kind of serve another purpose that I think maybe a lot of people don't realize. It's not even so much that it, you know, provides a place for a cyclist to uh, like a little safer zone for them to be on, but it actually raises awareness of, you know, that, that you're, you may encounter cyclists on the road. Mm -hmm. So it actually kind of, um, it kind of serves that purpose too. So, mm-hmm. and it, and it lets kind of the community know like, Hey, this, this, you know, these, you know, this group of um, folks who are, you know, traveling in this alternative method is, um, they're important to us and, you know, we care about their safety. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that the, the city um, made that effort. So, yeah, there's a, a there's a car wash coming to uh, the uh, West side of Excelsior, Southwest side, go car wash. Uh, in between McDonald's and uh, the strip mall where the, uh, uh, well, the area where El Magwe and, yep. and, and all of that mm-hmm. is at. So uh, a lot of houses coming up out of the ground. I think there's, there's presently at least 25 that I know of coming, new, new homes coming up out of the ground. Uh, another uh, project that the council approved for affordable housing is the flats at Coach Crossing, which will be built uh, on Tracy and 69, right across the street from the uh, fire station. Okay. And that will be, uh, I forget how many units exactly that will be, but uh, be, it targets uh, 60% of the average median income uh, for affordable housing, which is uh, a growing segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a lot of other uh, building projects and developments that I can't speak okay. about. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll wait to hear. Yeah. Um, so here's a here's a wild one. Um, okay. It's not really Excelsior, but it would impact Excelsior, and it's probably a a big stretch. But uh, the Royals have announced. Well, they haven't announced it, but it it was reported and confirmed that uh, somewhere near Kearney um, is a one of the five proposed sites for a new stadium. Have you heard this news? No. So the general consensus is this is just a leverage point for the Royals to uh, reenact the uh, reenact a, a sales tax to build a new stadium mm-hmm. that they would really not ever come out that way. But... <clears throat> It is on the five locations, huh. and it, and uh, somebody from Clay County actually, uh, like, it, it. My understanding is it's confirmed. It's like a it's a real consideration, 
Um, and so my mind starts kind of going like, where would they put a stadium near Kearney? Mm-hmm. And, and in my mind, what I think of is, you know, that, uh, or near Kearney would be in that corridor, you know, leading to Excelsior along 69 highway mm-hmm. where there's all that land. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine? <laughs> that would and would be, that be a good thing or a bad thing for, for Excelsior? I think it'd be a game changer. Yeah. Uh, in the same stripe as uh, at one time, the NASCAR yep. uh, track was supposed to be located uh, near Mosby. Yep. And uh, somebody dropped the ball on that one because that could have <laughs> been a big game changer. Yeah. One thing that I love about Excelsior is that we are not off the interstate. Right. I love that. Like, it probably has its downsides. Like, it probably hurts us a little bit that we're not, like, right off an interstate. But I like that we're kind of tucked away. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's probably not going to happen. But I did hear that. Uh, I did hear that rumor. So, Well, I, I'm with you on that. It, it's it's, it's kind of neat that we're both far and near from – from the big city. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're close enough to, for instance, I had to take some building materials back to one of our big box stores uh, a couple days ago and uh, decided to take my wife down to the plaza to Cheesecake Factory mm-hmm. for her third birthday dinner celebration. <laughs> and uh, and I thought, it's, it's kind of neat that we're, we're 25 minutes away from something like yep. that. But it's also kind of neat that we're 25 minutes away from something like yeah. that. Um. Like, when does the secret get out? Because property values here are a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Um, they're lower than Kearney, which is kind of the, it seems to be the next natural, like, progression of Kansas City. Like, like Liberty is starting to grow to Kearney a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at property values and Kearney, you know, which is not far, Liberty, which is not far, Excelsior Springs, the property values are are still lower um, at least it seems that way to me. What I learned recently is that Excelsior is divided into three census tracts. And one large census tract sets on the west side of the railroad tracks, which run north to south and mm-hmm. split the town almost evenly. The other two census tracts are on the east side of town. Our average median income on the west side of those tracks is almost identical to Kearney. Interesting. So it's everything in the, I think it's sec- sections, uh, census tracts one and two that bring our average median income down to about 62000 a year. That being said, that also played into the award that was given uh, from Sam Graves' office for the 24 24- $0.5 million race grant, which will construct a pedestrian flyover over 69 Highway for uh, the safety of our kids going from uh, high school, walking towards the, the other side of town, uh, two roundabouts that will improve safety, sidewalks, curbs, and storm drains along, I believe it's Warnell, uh, the, the street that runs in front of Cornerstone Elementary. Mm-hmm. So that will tie our uh, pedestrian connectivity from uh, Cornerstone Elementary to the middle school, to the community center and the high school, and then the walk path from Walmart all the way to the top of Old Orchard. Nice. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to see where the division lies. And uh, so that kind of plays into approach to housing and a lot of different elements that we're working on right now as a city. Yeah. I just think I've said this for a long time now, but I think it's a matter of time before, you know, folks uh, figure out that uh, they could move here. Mm -hmm. Um, They could, they could probably buy or build here a little, a a little, little less expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and then on any given night they can, uh, or day, they can go have lunch at Willow Spring or mm-hmm. dinner at Ventana or go down to the brewery or mm-hmm. um, visit a winery um, or, you know, have dinner at the Elms or, mm-hmm. I mean, 
the the list goes on and on and on. It does. You don't like you don't have that in Liberty. No. I mean, and they've got a a beautiful downtown, um, but we just have a, a plethora of unique and individual uh, things to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a bit of a secret, and it'll get out someday. Yeah, and you'll f- and then suddenly there'll be like you know giant. And you know, then housing developments going up, and, and, and then we'll, we'll all com- be cursing it. Like, <laughs> we'll, oh, we'll complain that we're not that, that yep. cool little town anymore. We'll be calling. Um, we'll be at. You know, someday we'll be able to say, "Oh, we're I'm a local." Yeah, like these outsiders. You know, <clears throat> kind of like how you feel when you go to a little mountain town in in Colorado. The locals are kind of giving you a side eye about. You know, I some, think it's always been that way a little bit in Excelsior. I I know. You know when. When, when people say that they're local, that means they were born here, raised here, and have uh, always okay. been here. Yeah. If, you're, if you haven't been here for 25, 30 years, you're not a local. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble, Phil. <laughs> well, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm, yeah. By that to measure, I'm definitely not a, not a local. But In my mind, you are, because you, <laughs> you have totally embraced the, the, the city and, yeah. and the, the citizenry and... Well, uh, let me say this. I'm Mark, I'm I'm uh I'm I'm glad to know you. You're uh you're you're a great human being. Um you're you know, you make a difference in the community and uh I mean, you're I kind of feel like in Excelsior I know a bunch of celebrities in a weird way. And they're not celebrities. There are so many characters in this town that are like that. There are a lot of characters. <laughs> there, well, there's so many unique uh, people like that yes. uh, that that stand out on their own, you know. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast because I felt like there were a lot of people to talk to. And uh, yeah. so, um, again, thanks for doing this. Um, so we what I've what I'm doing with the podcast is we're closing every show with uh, um, share your nugget. So I don't know if you've planned, pre- if you've thought about this at all, but uh, it's really just like, hey, what's, like, what's, uh, uh, what's, like, what's some words of wisdom that I live by? What's, uh, what inspires me? Um, you know, it, it can really be anything, but it's just uh, like, <clears throat> in so many conversations and, and uh, whether it's a movie or music or you pick up these little chunks of, of uh, inspiration and mm-hmm. you, like, tie them in your life. Mm-hmm. I feel like everybody does that to some degree. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to share. Okay. Well, I, I thought of it a little bit when, when, I, when you sent me the email. And I, I would have to say that my nugget is my, my association and my relationship with Christ. Because I realized when we lived on the West End, uh, my my son was 15 and mm-hmm. he was getting ready to drive and we were looking for a vehicle and and I was going to buy him a little S10 or a Ranger or something like that, like all the kids wanted. And, mm-hmm. and my insurance man said, you would be a lot better off to buy him a full-size pickup. You would pay a lot less in insurance. So we found this little step-side uh, 76 F100 step side on a car lot in Sedalia. He fell in love with it. We drove it home. It took a long time to get from Sedalia Excelsior because it overheated. We had to add transmission fluid. Finally got it home, parked it in the driveway. And uh, uh, the next day or maybe two days after that, I got a ticket because it had three flat tires on it sitting in the driveway. <laughs> So we're pushing it into the garage, and I, I turned to him. I said, you want to get crazy? And he said, what do you got in mind? I said, let's tear it apart and rebuild it. And we did. We did a, a total nut and bolt restoration on that little truck, and he still has it. That's awesome. And so that just began this. I, I have this, this thing for, for things that are old and broken mm-hmm. and need new purpose. And uh, so when we you know, sold our comfortable home on the west side and, and bought the Payne Jail House at 426 Concourse and started tearing that apart. I just realized I have this thing to make old broken things have new purpose and new life. And I realized that that that's exactly the 
the transformation that happened in my life because at one point in my life I was heavily involved in drugs and five DWIs and just spiraling out of control and on a very destructive path, both personally and, and to others. Mm-hmm. And I had an encounter uh, right after I was bailed out of jail the, the, on my fifth DWI. I just, I, I, some people will look at me crazy for this, but I, I heard God. And what he said to me is, you don't, you, you're in trouble, you don't even care anymore. You're numb. And I couldn't shake that. So I checked into alcohol and drug rehab, and for 21 years I didn't touch a drop of alcohol. I, I had a genuine encounter, a transformational uh, moment in my life. And, and it seems like it has played out in everything that I do now. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't think it's just to feel good. I think it's to make a difference in how you think, how you treat people, how you approach problems. All right. So that would be my nugget. That's a, that is a, an amazing nugget. So, mm. Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, I don't know why I said we uh, but... We are. <laughs> There's no uh, graceful way to wrap this up out, um, after that uh, amazing nugget. So, well, uh, well, let me say that I, I appreciate you and Stacy and all that you've done in our community. And uh, of course, I, I fell in love with your Johnny Papa early on and got to drive it today. And as I said earlier in the podcast, I'm still grinning. This episode of Nuggets and Verse was recorded in the hayloft of our beloved Red Barn, just outside of historic Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Be kind and share your nugget.